Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian, philosopher, and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Well, let's see. Last week, we described what black propaganda is. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you should, right after this one. I think you'll do just fine with this episode, but right now we're in the middle of a series of episodes on the vital subject of public relations. And I urge you, urge you, urge you to study this subject well and use it. Uh, This series started with a bonus episode a couple of weeks ago, was it a week ago? Uh, Defining PR, public relations, and distinguishing it from marketing, which is an entirely different subject, which many members confuse. So if you really want to get the full benefit of these episodes, listen to the bonus episode, Defining PR, and then come forward. As per a law we introduced you to a few episodes ago, Mr. Hubbard points out, number of times over the material equals certainty and results. I'll run Hubbard. So don't worry about listening to episodes more than once. You will get more results from the knowledge you are learning. So go ahead and finish listening to this episode as we design all our episodes to be able to stand on their own, but go back and listen to any you missed and probably re-listen to this one and you will definitely get more out of it. Of course, if you have access to Mr. Hubbard's writings on management, then you should read the articles in full. This is why I give you the dates. If you don't have a set of materials, you can drop us a line at info at wisestress.org and we'll set you up, Okay. So today is going to be our first episode on how to handle black propaganda. We're going to put it, we're going to have to break this up into two episodes because there's seven steps and it's a little bit too much to cover in one episode. So we're going to cover the first four today, um, which is plenty for you to begin to master. And then uh, next week we'll cover the final three steps in how to handle black propaganda. Very important subject. I want to make sure you really get it and I don't want to uh, shortchange you on this. Besides, Mr. Hubbard gives a lot of great examples uh, in this particular article, so I want you to get the full benefit of it. So we're going to cover it in quite a bit of detail. Okay, so let's get started. And in this day and age in America, if you or your business is going to be attacked, chances are it is going to be through the use of black propaganda. It is not likely someone is going to challenge you to a shootout at high noon at the OK Corral. Uh, or they're not likely going to start breaking your shop windows with baseball bats and dragging you off to a concentration camp or Siberia. At least not yet. The way things are going, who knows? But these things are still considered somewhat socially unacceptable. And while violent attacks do occur, they are not as common as emergence of chaos would like to make you believe, as they splash these all over the headlines, any random act of violence they can get their hands on in an effort to make you more fearful, more cooperative, and of course willing to turn over your natural human rights. No, the attacks on you are more likely to be through the use of what is known as black propaganda. This is defined by Mr. Hubbard as, quote, black equals bad or derogatory 
Propaganda equals pushing out statements or ideas. The term used to destroy reputation or public belief in persons, companies, or nations. It is a common tool of agencies who are seeking to destroy real or fancied enemies or seek dominance in some field. This is from an article dated 21 November 1972. Uh, As we covered in our last episode, even attacks of a more violent nature are usually preceded by the use of lies and black propaganda to lessen the repute of the eventual target of violence so that the target has no recourse or defense. Witness a horrific black propaganda used against the Jews in Germany in the early 1930s. You can see some of these propaganda films Uh, for yourself on YouTube, if you really want to sicken yourself. And this, of course, led to the atrocities that became what we refer to as the Holocaust. So you need to know what black propaganda is and be able to deal with it, as it is often the precursor to other forms of attack designed to really take you out. I'm not trying to make you fearful. I'm just trying to make you aware. You become aware of black propaganda regarding you, your family, your group, anything you care about. Well, you better be prepared to deal with it because in train of that can come things you really aren't going to like. So what do you do? All right. So this is, uh, we made reference to this article from Mr. Hubbard last week, in last week's episode. It is dated 21 November 1972, and it's called How to Handle Black Propaganda. And we covered part of it last episode where we defined what black propaganda is and the kind of people that engage in black propaganda. And uh, we covered this datum here. I'm just going to review it with you. Um, He says, and this is a review, quote, a person comes to fear bad things being said about him in the face of a whispering campaign, real or imagined, one tends to withdraw, tends to become less active and reach less, end quote. So that's not what you're going to do. Okay, if you're aware of black propaganda on yourself or anything you care about, what you're not going to do is withdraw. But that is the the natural tendency. Like, okay, I'm just going to let this all blow over. I'm going to be quiet. Okay, so from this reference, he says a law here. He says there is a natural law at work that unfortunately favors black propaganda. All capital letters, Mr. Robert says this, where there is no data available, people will invent it. He says, this is the law of the omitted data. A vacuum tends to fill itself. Old philosophers said that, quote, nature abhors a vacuum, end quote. Actually, the surrounding pressure flows into an area of no pressure. It is this way with a person, company, or nation. Hit by lies, a person tends to withdraw. This already tends to pull things in. The person does not then wish to put out data. He becomes to some degree a mystery. To fill that mystery, people will invent data, end quote. So that's why the wrong thing to do is to withdraw because you're just going to pull in more invented data. You become more and more of a mystery. And he goes on to say, this is true of persons, companies, or nations. This is where public relations is a necessity. You should be cranking it up. Whether you're under attack or not, public relations is an important subject. We're going to delve into this more in future episodes, but for whatever reason, I decided I want to tackle this black propaganda issue first. Part of it is I really want you to understand the importance of the subject because there probably isn't any of us who haven't had some sort of black propaganda attack, large or small, if we're trying to do something worthwhile in this world. So I I bring this up 
to bring up your awareness on the fact that you should know and master public relations. He goes on to say this in in this reference. He says, when one is not fighting a battle against black propaganda, public relations is easy. One hires a reporter who gets to work thinking up ideas and turning out releases. That's why reporters are often thought of as public relations people, which they are not. Uh, In the face of a black propaganda campaign, such releases are twisted, refused, and that is the end of it. You try doing just, uh, you know, if you're not skilled in this area, if you don't study what black propaganda is all about and understand what's going on, which is covered in the earlier episode, you can uh, put out public relations activity, but, you know, in messages, but they get twisted and made uh, to make to reinforce the uh, attacks of the, the black propagandist, if you will. So then he goes on to say, there is far more to the art than this. These are some of the rules that apply. So we're going to start with number one. Number one, fill the vacuum. There's actually seven steps. Fill the vacuum. First of all, this is from Mr. Albert, cease to withdraw. It is proven conclusively that in public relations handling of black propaganda, only outflow pays off. Saying nothing may be noble in a character, but it is fatal in public relations. Yet even, quote, experts advise it when they are doing their clients in. Okay, so blunt denial is crude and can be used against one as a sort of confirmation. You can say, no, I didn't do that. You know, uh, yeah, you know, uh, he steals from his customers. No, I don't steal from my customers. Just the fact of that blunt denial is pretty inexpert because it can almost confirm that that's actually what you do. So he says, you don't have to announce or spread a flap and never should. PR men often make the flap. So by saying, we don't steal, we don't steal, you're just saying, why is, why is he saying we don't steal? He probably steals. A lot of people must be accusing him of stealing. Maybe he does steal. This is from Mr. Robert. But don't interpret this as, quote, silence is necessary. Get in a safe place and speak up. This is, um, this is kind of tricky. Like, where can you communicate from where you're not going to get attacked? Get into a safe, you know, place. You know, maybe you can do talks at the Rotary Club about the value of uh, integrity in business or something like that, where you're not, no one's going to throw tomatoes at you there, but uh, you can actually get a chance to communicate something worthwhile that will fill that vacuum. Then he goes on to say, use any channel to speak up, but don't seek channels that will corrupt what you say in repeating it. This is the liability of using media, by the way, particularly newspapers. And, you know, they, they, you know, if it's not sensational, if there isn't conflict, they're, they're, they feel like they're not going to sell any of their bloody, you know, stuff. So they can take what you're saying. You think you, oh, we had this great interview with the media and then they twist it and you all of a sudden get caught flat footed. So you got to be careful about that. Use any channel to speak up, but don't seek channels that will corrupt what you say in repeating it. And then he goes on to say this. Don't stay on the same subject that you are being attacked on. Like if you're, you know, okay, you're being attacked on stealing. You know, we steal from our customers. We, we rip them off. Okay. That's just a classic, typical, whatever. Right. So, you know, continually talking about rip off or stealing, even if you're talking about it as a even what I had mentioned earlier, you know, if you do, if you're known for doing talks all around town about the value of uh, integrity in business, people might go, well, why is he so, you're still on the same ground. You follow me? You might do better by filling the vacuum by, you know, helping the local kids softball team and, you know, buying them shirts and 
gloves and bats or whatever you do and you know your name's on the back of that and you know somebody would help kids like that they're not going to steal come on like you see how you've moved off that ground into a different ground and that's a much safer place to to, to operate on so uh he says here gives an example an example of speaking up without denying and thus confirming might be statement i read your company this is mr hubbard's example statement i read your company went broke last month rebuttal my god you're telling me if we hadn't got out of that contract, we really would have gone broke. There was a hell of a row in the boardroom, but McClinty won, scotch to the core. He said, I won't sign it. Like to have tore the president's head off. Hell of a row. Seems like we got 80 million buried somewhere and McClinty's in charge of it and he won't move an inch on it. Mr. Hubbard goes on to say the interrogator's conclusion is you're not broke. He's got data. The vacuum is filled with a story of board rows and 80 million mysterious reserves. See how clever that is? You're not really even responding to that. You're just filling the vacuum, okay? You're not denying it. You're not confirming it. You're not even staying on that ground. We have this wild Scott, you know, on our board who won't let us spend a nickel, you know, and hiding money to make sure the company's always going to make it. So that's number one, fill the vacuum. Two, disprove false data. The technique of proving utterances false is called dead agenting. It's in the first book of Chinese espionage. When the enemy agent gives false data, those who believed him but now find it false kill him or at least cease to believe him. So the PR slang for it is, quote, dead agenting. This consists of disproving utterly the false statement with documents or demonstration or display. One has to have a kit, a collection of documents, or the ability to demonstrate or something to display. Statement. Here's Mr. Hubbard's example. I've been told you are in trouble with income tax people. Rebuttal. Here's a document of fully paid taxes and a letter of commendation from the tax authorities. Displays same. Result? Whoever told him that is now dead with him as an accurate informer. Do you see how that would be? He's coming to you now with his accusation. He's accusing you of uh, tax evasion And you're producing all these documents to show, no, we're actually in great repute with the tax authorities. Now, the guy that told the person who's challenging you is now dead as far as he's concerned, right? I doubt if he's going to go kill him. But in the old days, I guess that's what they did, right? But they're certainly not going to believe him anymore, okay? That, That agent or that source of data has now been proven to be unreliable. That's called dead agenting. Mr. Trevor goes on to say the best way to dead agent is when the person makes some disprovable statement, find out who to fix his mind on it, and then produce the rebuttal. This is a refinement of this technique. You're actually asking, what was the source? Because you want to make sure you created that effect of dead agenting that dude, whoever that was, right? So here's this example, Mr. Hubbard. Statement, I hear you aren't married to the man you're living with. Rebuttal, who told you that? Stater, I forget. Rebutter, well... You remember, and I'll show you some proof. Stater, well, it was a man, dot, dot, dot. Rebutter, who? Stater, Joe Schmo. Rebutter, okay, here's my marriage certificate. Who's the Joe Schmo nut anyway? You see how that works? See how slick that is? Now, Joe Schmo is dead as far as being a source of black propaganda. Mr. Trevor goes on to say this. Now it's Joe Schmo who's a mystery. How come he lies? What's in it for him? Okay, here's your next step. Number three, disprove every rumor. Mr. Trevor goes on to say this. 
Proving negatives is almost impossible. How do I know you aren't a CIA man? Well, how can one prove that? One can't whip out a KGB badge, as that would be just as bad. No one ever wrote a document. Bill Till is not a member of the CIA. Useless. It's a denial. Who'd believe it? Sometimes, quote, you don't, works. But the right answer to a negative no proof is a, quote, fill the vacuum, end quote. Statement. How do I know you're not a CIA man? Rebuttal. Christ, please don't insult me. The CIA tried to hire me once, said they'd shoot me if I didn't join up. Cuba it was. I was a sugar salesman. And Batista was trying to dot, 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 etc., etc. See this scar on my leg? Pulls up pants. Batista cop shot me because he thought I was CIA. So don't bring up painful subjects. Rub scar. Laugh. See? So, you know, how, how do you disprove a, a, a negative? Well, this is a great example. You're just very convincing. You know, you just... You just tell them a story and just make it, ah, come on, don't, don't insult me. Sometimes when I'm walking down the street, some dude will stop me and say, you know, you a lawyer or something? And, uh, yeah, I say almost exactly that. Like, Are you kidding me? How could you insult me like that? <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not going to put up with that from you. Just, you know, laugh it off. But he says, but once in a while you can prove a negative. Accused of drug smuggling, one can show he's a member of the anti-drug league. The counter in a negative proof must be creditable. A million, million variations exist in debt agenting. The basis of it is not to be the thing rumored and to be able to prove it fast. So what's the black propaganda? Okay, how do we document ourselves? How do we disprove that? Uh, that's a little bit of homework you need to do because you need to be able to handle those attacks with true data. Of course, it helps not to be an actual fact of crook. If you're a crook, and you are stealing, then my recommendation is get busy getting honest and straight before you start doing any kind of a black propaganda handling. But that kind of goes without saying. Okay, number four. Now, number four gets a little tricky because we're going to introduce a new subject. Or not necessarily new for all of you, but it might be new for you if this is your first episode. And it's called the emotional tone scale. You know, you'll see that people are in different tones, both acutely and chronically. You've got people who are sort of uh, emotionally, typically angry. We all know people like that. Or maybe they're kind of sly and sneaky, <laughs> you know, and uh, they're kind of stuck in around that level. And these are called tone levels uh, in the Hubbard technology of uh, management and other things here. So, uh, you know, you're working with people who are sometimes very apathetic. That's very low toned. You know, uh, it doesn't matter. Nothing helps anyway. You know, kind of in that hopeless band. Then you've got guys who are pretty enthusiastic or strongly interested. Those are higher levels of the tone scale. So he says here, four, handle the level. Handling interest level is basically an exercise in the tone scale. Agreement occurs at the same emotional tone level as a person making this statement. He buys his facts at that level. If you've got guys, have you ever had this happen? Person is super angry and you just decide you're going to handle them by being cheerful. That's right. And you just notice the guy gets angrier and angrier. He's not registering a single thing you're saying. You're coming in way too high. I'm all cheerful. You're all angry. I'm all cheerful. You're not. And there's just no communication is going to occur at that level because you're not at the right level. You've got to establish what is the level that this black propaganda is hitting you at. It's probably not very high, high toned. And you've got to communicate at that level. Otherwise, you're not going to get any agreement on it. 
You know, if you're just trying to pass everything off by being cheerful or enthusiastic, it probably isn't going to work. Okay, so he says here, uh, agreement occurs at the same emotional tone level as a person making the statement. He buys his facts at that level. To go half a tone up from his level is to command him within his zone of reality. So then he gives Mr. Hubbard's statement uh, example here. Statement. It's hopeless trying to believe in anyone. I thought you people were all right, but now I hear you're all hippies in a dull apathy. Rebuttal. Oh, oh, oh. Who could have told you such a sad lie? Sob. Stater. Wouldn't be any use to say. Rebutter. Sob. But you've got to say, oh, I feel so awful. Stater. Well, he wouldn't care if I told. It's a local minister. Rebutter. Sob. Kleenex. What an awful thing to say. Just because we found him dead drunk and took him home to sleep it off. And he said, if we ever told, he'd say we were hippies. Stater. What a sad story. Oh, it's a bad world. How ungrateful. You go half a tone up. Give him a story on the subject or not. Like, sob, that's because we lost our instruments. We once were a band and this nightclub owner wouldn't pay us and we had to sleep in the barn, sob, dot, dot, dot. And another one, statement, I hear some bad things about you people, which is a tone level called covert hostility, right? I hear some bad things about you people. Rebuttal, anger, which is about a half tone up. Who would dare say such things, etc.? You know, you'll find with, with the covertly hostile, anger is a handy band. And in fact, uh, I confess that sometimes when I find myself in anger, I take a step back and realize that I've probably been being approached with the covertly hostile, which is probably what set me off. But anyway, be that as it may, that is the correct tone to handle the covertly hostile is anger. And he says, and story type can be matched in tone statement. I hear those people stole some rowboats. Rebuttal. Who said so? Stater, the dockmaster's son. Rebuttal. Oh, him gets things wrong. Our rowboat was stolen with all the gear in it. We were out fishing and say, you don't suppose he stole it, do you? Did you ever hear of him stealing anything? Has he got a record? Well, this dockmaster's son will now, quote, have a record, end quote, in the Stater's tales. As theft is of interest to him, crime will also be. So you see, you got to communicate at that uh, emotional tone at that level of reality. You've got to find that level and you got to communicate at that level or a little bit higher than that level in order to register and get the person to uh, accept the communication and actually to effectively dead agent the source of the rumor or the black propaganda that's coming at the guy. So that takes a little practice. It's really worth studying carefully um, the tone scale for so many reasons. I ac actually should do a series of episodes on tone scale, but, uh, the book science of survival by Mr. Hubbard is a masterwork on the subject of tone. I've often said to uh, my members, and this is only my opinion, but it's, I could almost say it's the most important survival, uh, tool you have is the ability to recognize and deal with tone level because, one bad decision bringing upon you a low tone person into your life in some way or another uh, could literally destroy your life. It could literally destroy your life. And on the other hand, if you can find higher tone people to work and play with, then of course you will be on a survival course of action. Well, we're coming to the end of uh, this episode. I have uh, three more steps, I think, here to cover with you on how to handle black propaganda. Hate to leave you hanging, but uh, 
it's just a little much to cover in one episode. So we're going to continue this uh, in next week's episode. But now you've got four of the seven steps on how to handle uh, black propaganda. May as well start working on those. Okay, the next ones are a little more sophisticated. Probably take a little more, uh, a few more examples to really make sure you've got it. So um, start with these four. And if you can have access to that reference, then I recommend it to you highly to read the article, How to Handle Black Propaganda. Of course, then you can get a jump on next week's episode. But uh, there you have it. I think you'll agree it's a pretty important subject because we all, we've all experienced this and on a small scale or a large scale. So learn this technology, learn to defend yourself when attacked. All right, that's it for this week's episode. If you have any questions, uh, wins, anything about earlier episodes, please write us, info at wiseeastus.org. We try to answer everybody. We get a lot of emails, but we do answer everybody ultimately. Sometimes there's a bit of a lag there, but I promise I'm going to clear that all out in the next couple of days. Keep writing us. We love to hear from you. And uh, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening.